0: From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
1: Jones. Baden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match.
0: Hello, welcome to the Analysts' Inside Cricket on the first day of the Test match summer, England against Ireland, and I suppose it's gone as predicted, really. Well, actually, Ireland made a decent fist of the score in the end after losing their first three wickets for 19. Uh, I've had an interesting social day, actually, watching it from various different aspects and with various different people, I'll tell you about that. But in reply to uh, Ireland's 172 England, almost, as Simon Mann predicted, are on a par with them, having lost just one wicket for 152. What did you make of it?
1: Well, yeah, I did. I sent you a message, didn't I, about three o'clock. You, you didn't reply to it because you were probably socialising, in inverted commas, but I did say England to be ahead by the close of play, and I think they would have been if they bowl all the overs. We were six overs short, I made it on, on the day's play, so a, a bit skinny, but plenty of action. 11 wickets, stacks of runs... And a totally dominating uh, performance from England. They didn't have to try hard to score at seven and over. This wasn't sort of baseball cricket. It was putting away the bad balls. And there were plenty of them from the uh, Ireland bowlers. I have to say, when I saw the toss at 10.30 this morning, I saw the weather. I thought this game, three innings match, three days. And actually nothing that's happened today has, has changed my feelings on that. I'm interested to see how England approach it tomorrow. I mean, it's possible they might, you know, they might declare before the close of play and try to put some pressure on Ireland in the final session. Yeah, I suppose so. But
0: uh, it's not that uh, good a pitch to bowl on, I would say. So your fears that uh, England were going to bowl Ireland out very cheaply, I think were were slightly misplaced, if if that's what you thought might happen. Uh, Actually, it's a flat pitch. I reckon England could get 500. In fact, I said that we... Had a little reunion of our world's best cricket club members around one of the statues at the back of the, the media centre at lunchtime today. And I said, when the score at the time was a 70 for four or something like that, I said, I reckon England could get 500 eventually in the game. And they were going, really? But I just think it's a lovely pitch to bat on, actually. And Ireland just haven't, as we predicted in our preview podcast, just Ireland haven't really got the bowlers to
1: stop England in their tracks. Oh no, I, I, I agree, England could get 500 if they want to, if they need to I, they, It might be, they just, you know, the way Pull they out play, earlier. Well, just yeah. pull out earlier and put some pressure on in the last hour Who, who knows, if Ben Stokes, you, you don't know what's going to happen. They could be bowled out for 250 tomorrow, smacking it up in the air, but I mean the, the, the way they played, they, they played with such ease. I thought Duckett actually was really impressive, hit the ball nicely sweetly, I and mean, you know, there were a lot of decent uh, four balls to, to knock away. Crawley had a, a lot of luck. I mean, there was a lot of inside edges, weren't there? Past the, the stumps down towards the, the fine leg boundary. And the perverse, of course, uh, the one he was out to, he actually hit pretty much in the middle, but back to the bowler hand, who went for it two hands and caught it one hand. There we go. <laughs> You'd have loved that. First test You'd love loved Ricky. that on commentary, wouldn't you? Using
0: the, using all those expressions. I, I It's funny, actually. Crawley annoys me a bit because... I think he was trying to manufacture stuff today, and you know he's almost got sort of ball stuck in his head too much. He doesn't need to 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 try too hard to score fluently, as as you said. Actually, England didn't really try that hard, but there were times when he stepped up the pitch, went across to off stump, tried to f- sort of flick a ball outside off through midwicket, got an inside edge, as you mentioned, flicked away for four down to fine leg. I don't think he needs to do that. There was the, the shot of the day for me was uh, a shot, I think he might have got to 50 or just just before he got to 50. Uh, shortish length of the length from the nursery end. Good pace, but nothing special about the ball, but not, a, not a, a four ball by any means. And he just caressed it through the covers for four, sort of almost on the up. And that was him being, you know, Zach Crawley rather than trying to be something else just being his, playing his natural game rather than trying to be too funky, if, if you like. And I prefer that. I think he doesn't you know, he doesn't need to try too hard, really.
1: Yeah, some of those ones that went off the inside edge, he looked to me as if he was trying to hit the ball too hard, trying to smash it rather mm. than caress it. I agree with that. Although he got to his 50 quicker than uh, Ben Duckett. I mean, 39 balls to crawl his 50 and 53 balls uh, from Ben Duckett. Uh, it must be quite difficult to bowl at them, mustn't it? Because Ducky, we've made this point before, haven't we? We've got a short left-hander and a tall right-hander. If you're rotating the strike, I mean, how annoying is that as a a new ball or or, or pace bowler, or even a you know even a spinner as well?
0: Well, it's it's very annoying. I mean, the, the slope comes to your aid a little bit because you can use that to your advantage. You can pretty much bowl the same line to both batters and left hand and right hand, and the ball will behave you know, slightly differently to them because of the advantage of the slope. But you don't, you have to adjust a little bit, you know, certainly if the ball gets older. And actually the, the nice thing about Crawley and, and Duckett as well is that they do complement each other well, not just with the left and right hand, but also Duckett kind of s- sort of stepping back onto his stumps, playing from the crease a lot of the time, looking to hit those slightly short balls, powerfully square the wicket. And he did so very effectively, a couple of really rasping, Pull shots And Crawley, although he doesn't make a big stride forward, he does look to hit off the front foot more. So you've got to kind of counter your lengths for, as a bowler as a result. And I, you know, I feel sorry for Ireland, really, because they're trying to play a test match here at Lords. They've had very little first class cricket. They've had very little Red ball cricket, not only in, in this summer, but generally in their lives. If you look at some of those players, they've only played 18 first class games or something like that in their career. Uh, never mind, only three test matches or something, you know, in the last few months. So it's tough. I mean, someone like, you know, I feel, I feel you know, sorry for the for the batters. Someone like Andy Bell who's you know their best player, didn't get a bat against a proper bat against Essex in the warm up game because uh, the openers piled on a, a double century partnership in the second innings and they failed. The numbers three and four, their main players, failed in the first innings. So. You know they've just haven't they just haven't had much cricket. So actually, in a way, I'm surprised they got as many as 174.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not easy for them. It re- really isn't. I mean, it, it. And and the other thing as well, I, I noticed today is the players they came up against in the England side today, the bowlers and the two batters, well three batters actually. I've uh, actually had quite a lot of cricket this season. We've talked about some of the England players who haven't had much cricket. You think of Stokes and Root and Brook. Yeah, you know, very little cricket and stow as well. But they didn't really feature very much today. It, you know, when England batted, it was Crawley who's played a lot this summer, Duckett who's had a lot of innings this summer, and Pope who's had a lot of innings this summer and, and, and played nicely. And the bowlers, of course, Tongue and Leach and Broad and Potts have all been playing quite a lot of county cricket. So you know, there's that as well. You know, they didn't come up against, if you like, some of the the the, play, the England players who were underprepared. They, England didn't really need them. Uh, today, just going back to your point about you know, I, I thought Ireland would bowled out cheaply. Well, I think they were bowled out relatively cheaply, 170. Um, I, I didn't think they were going to be bowled out for 50 or anything like that. Although at 19 for three, and then suddenly potentially 19 for four, when that LBW was given, you thought, well, hold on, it, you know, it could go horribly wrong for them here. But I just the thing is, I thought, you know, yeah something like 150, 200, something like that. But England score so quickly, and it is such a good surface that you know you would back them to get up around Ireland's. Total by the close of play, which is actually what happened, and then just you know press on tomorrow. I mean, you could you could see England, you know, two hundred and fifty ahead, and, and then uh, potentially pulling out and then having a go. But I, I agree with you. It looks like it looks like quite a good Lord's pitch, doesn't it? In the conditions, apart from this morning when it was overcast and a bit cold, conditions of batting. They're uh, pretty good. And you, you, know, you, you think you can make a fist of it? Whether you can make a fist of it if you're, you know, two hundred and fifty, three hundred runs behind on first innings, you know, that's a, that's another matter, isn't it? I mean, it does have the, It does have the feel of a th- of a three day game. If Ireland take this to a fourth day, I think they'll have done pretty well. Actually, it will show they batted well in their second innings. And they they have got some players who can, you know, who can score, haven't they? And, you know, the likes of Balbirnie and Sterling and and Campfer. I thought you know Campfer played pretty well today, but he, he just well, uh, charged down the wicket he didn't trust his partner at the other end didn't he with with wickets falling towards the end of the innings and this is a, this is a guy who's you know who's made runs against england one day cricket's first two one dayers against england made 59 not out and 68 in South, at southampton in in 2020 and he also scored 100 in his last test match as well against sri lanka i thought he looked quite well organized and you know it was england were struggling to get him out but in a way he, he got himself out
0: yeah, they went on with the with the bouncer tactics in
1: the end, didn't they? And what did you uh, think that, of that, Yo? What did you think yeah. of that, Yours? Going going quite quickly to the, well and asking Tongue to do it as well. Yes, Josh Tung, like, in his first test match, they sort of it was almost like it was it felt like a bit of an experiment. Can you do this? Can you bowl? Sustain I think that was exactly bowling? what it
0: was. I think that's exactly what it was. He started out Josh tongue, he he took over from Stuart Broad at the pavilion end and bowled a decent first spell, was unlucky not to take his first test wicket got the speed speed up pretty well, kept a, an excellent line and hardly gave any easy runs away, but was probing away. But then actually, the fact that they tried him round the wicket with uh, with the sort of um, body line tactics with men on the hook and so on, yeah, I'm sure it was an experiment because I think they see him as someone... It reminded me actually a little bit of the way Liam Plunkett was used, say, 10 years ago or so in Test cricket. As the sort of enforcer, as the Plan C, if you like, after the the first two plans haven't quite worked, or to just to rough up the tail, or you know one or two of those uh, uh, sort of strategies. And he's, I think he's got the makings of, of doing it well because he's strong, he's tall, he he gets the ball up from not that short, you know, he's because he's tall and, and got speed up to actually I think he got one up to eighty nine point nine miles per hour, so pretty good. And he gets the ball up into the ribs from an awkward length. And then it's one of those, you do, how do you play it? Do you fend it off? Do you weave? Do you try and hook it? And I, yeah, I think a valid exercise that, because if Stokes, who's tended to be the person that England used to do that in the last year or so, isn't able to, then Tongue, and obviously Jofra Archer's out of the equation, Mark Wood may or may not play all tests, so you've got tongue there as, a, as another option. And I think he, he did it quite pretty well.
1: Yeah, so they, they were sort of having a look at him to see whether he was capable mm. of doing that. What what do you think about his action and the, the way he bowls? He's quite he's quite open-chested, isn't he? His, his, his right leg sort of splays out to the right-hand side. It's not a sort of, when you just freeze him, he's not like a sort of classic-looking uh, bowler with his action.
0: Well, he's had to adjust, hasn't he? Because he's had a, n- a number of injuries. And sometimes you don't necessarily finish up bowling as you did when you were younger because your body tells you you can't. It, it looks a bit awkward, but I don't mind that. If he, if he can stay fit, I mean, obviously, this is the it's the, the big if, if, it, if he can stay fit. I, I think he's got quite an interesting action because it's a bit Courtney Walsh-like. It's slightly open-chested. He angles it in, but he can get it to, to sort of move away as well. Uh, and he's quite close to the stumps, actually, so deceptive. Because sometimes you see those bowlers who are open chested, and you think, oh, they're wide of the crease. I can hit everything through the leg side. But actually, he's quite tight in on the stumps and bowls quite wicket to wicket. So, yeah, I, I quite thought it was a d- decent effort actually. But from from him today, Unlucky not to take his first wicket.
1: Well, it's a, a strange sort of day for him because he would have been elated, wouldn't he, to have played his his first Test match? You and know, you're he, he into the action quite quickly as well because England won the toss. We ended up with 13 overs, 0 for 40, while you know the others. Clean clean things up. Stuart Broad taking five, Jack Leach, who we'll talk about in a in a short while taking three, and and Matthew Potts picking up a couple so you, you that's a bittersweet day really it was great to see him then on the the outfield getting his cat from Jimmy Anderson and the fact that his family were there as well mm. his partner and his son I think it was and his and his mum and dad I think as there were there with him. because uh, that's great isn't it actually that because they are mm. sort of part of your your life as a cricketer you know you think you know partner definitely and of course your parents as well who sort of have to i suppose live live through your growing up and trying to become successful trying to become a you know, a, a test match cricketer. And and also the other person who'd been very happy today was that guy who I think played with him or was a bit older, played with him, who put £100 on him at the age of 11 to become a, a test cricketer. So he's, he's still got the betting slip. So that would have earned him about £50,000 if the bookies pay up.
0: We'll talk about the England bowlers in a sec. I, I just wanted to say one thing was that I watched part of the game today in the president's box, the new president of the MCC, who, of course, is Stephen Fry. The only reason I was there, actually, was was not because I was invited, but because my sister was in there, Bethany, Bethany Hughes, for those who like their history, is the, the history presenter. She is my sister, even though people find it hard to believe. Uh, she's got both the brains and the looks, which I obviously haven't. but anyway he she, she said, I'm here, I'm here and she hardly ever she doesn't even know where Lords is. and she was there sort of maybe a couple of times in my playing career, but that's about all. She was busy in some part of the Middle East recording some program or rather most of the time. So uh, she invited me in and who should I meet? but one of Stephen Fry's pals, Tim Robbins, the famous Hollywood actor, star of the lights of the Shawshank Redemption, Bull Durham, uh, what else? The Player, even Top Gun he was in, actually. So, you know, he's quite a, a, an established you know, figure. Of course, he's never watched a game of cricket before. So I love this challenge, actually, of, you know, sitting with a Hollywood star, him, them trying to kind of fathom out what the hell cricket is. And, you know, the thing that interested him most was the roller, <laughs> that came on halfway through the game, um, obviously to roll the pitch before England batted, and he'd never seen it because, of course, you know, coming from a baseball background, they don't roll the surface at all because the ball never has to pitch. And he was intrigued by the nature of having a big steamroller out there rolling the pitch. But anyway, he, he enjoyed himself, and he's he's going to pass pass on his best to all his Hollywood mates about uh, about, about cricket and maybe support one of the uh, American teams in the MLC. Uh, that, that that's to come, obviously not so long from now. The Major League Cricket tournament going on in the states. How come he was there? So, Mates of Stephen Fry.
1: Oh right, so Stephen Fry invited him along and it said, "Come along, watch a bit of cricket." Yeah, okay. And so you, so it was up to you to teach him about the game, was well, it? Well, I
0: was, yeah, I was sort of explaining a few bits, and and he was he was actually quite intrigued. He was really looking forward to England batting, because mm. I mean the the Irish innings was a little bit. Uh, sort of ponderous at, at, at times, but obviously once England got to the wicket, it was, it was a little bit more um, positive and a few kind of resounding shots through through the covers that woke him up from a, a sort of post tea slumber.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: um, you know, a good first day in the end and particularly for, for Broad and Leach, who I think would have been very happy with their, with their
1: returns. Yeah, Stuart Broad. Ten years since he's taken a five at Lords. Another one, the twentieth of his career. I, I, I wonder whether he'd gone straight back to the dressing room and, you know, put that sort of plaster up on the honours board and, and written his name up there, or you know whether he's passed that. Now he's done it, you know, done it before, and he's had so many fifers before. How, how did he? How did he look? Because he sort of, you always feel Stuart. He sort of eases himself into the championship season, doesn't he? He's, he doesn't sort of devastate. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to take many fifers for Nottinghamshire. But, you know, you, you get him in an England shirt and with perhaps with not something to prove, but, you know, obviously he wants to play in the Ashes this summer. He wants to play a certain amount of the games. Uh, you know, comes up with FIFA. Bowling at eight or 81 miles an hour, 81, 82 yeah, miles an hour. that's all right. I mean, you know, it doesn't need to be that much quicker. I think he revels in
0: the responsibility just the occasional time when Jimmy, his mate, isn't playing. And he takes on the responsibility of opening the, the bowling, take bowling the first over. Which, I mean, is a responsibility that, it, that obviously it's an important sort of tone setter for, for the innings and so on. And also it gets the choice of ends as well. And every bowler, every fast bowler likes to bowl pavilion end at Lord's because... Why? Well, it's because, firstly, the slope brings the ball back into the stumps if you're bowling to a right-hander, bringing LBW and Bold very much into the equation. It tends to be harder to get wickets... Boulder LBW from the nursery end because the ball naturally shapes away down the slope towards the slips, and secondly, often it's with the wind as well. The prevailing wind at Lords is usually from behind the pavilion, a sort of southwesterly, uh, and so you're running sort of. You feel like you're running slightly downhill and with the wind, and that just always helps a fast bowler, especially if his if his legs are in their 35 year old mm. class.
1: Yeah. And the old the ridge, of course, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You, remember, did you the Lord's Ridge? Yeah, that, that was a no,
0: that was a bit of a myth, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I mean, that, yeah, I, I there was a talk in the sort of seventies and eighties that there was this ridge from the Pavilion End that made the ball bounce a little bit extra. My view, actually, if you really want the answer to that, is that it's to do with the slope. The slope actually goes from if you're bowling from the Pavilion End, the slope at Lords goes from third man sort of about around about the one of the the uh, Compton stand down across the ground diagonally down to the bottom corner which is the sort of tavern and the Allen stand to the to the one side of the pavilion so it's a diagonal slope and i think when you're bowling especially up the sort of grandstand side of the square there is a bit of a slope on the pitch which you're bowling into from that pavilion end so i think that's why they used to get a bit of of extra bounce from there, but it doesn't really exist now.
1: Okay, so more wickets for Stuart Broad today. And Jack Leach, here's something. Jack Leach used in the 12th over on an overcast morning when England have put the opposition into bat. Now, surely, if that had been an Ashes test match, Jack Leach wouldn't have bowled there. I mean, presumably, um, I know Ben Stroke... This feeling is Ben Stokes trusting. Presumably, that's where England would have needed their fourth seamer. That's when you absolutely want that fourth seamer, and Ben Stokes is is not playing in this game. Yeah. I, I, so, what you saying that it's, it's it's
0: early for him to have a bowl, the
1: twelfth over? Well, it is. It, it is. It really is quite early. overcast morning. You put the opposition yeah. into bat. I know sometimes sometimes you like to have a look with a a yeah, spinner. It wasn't a typical Lord's
0: early morning pitch though, because of the dry weather we've had recently. It was quite brown and sort of biscuit colour. And I, I didn't think it, it had that, that much in it for the seamers, actually. So it was perfe- perfectly worthwhile giving the spinner an early bowl.
1: OK. So not much in it for the seamers. Perhaps or Arden rather frittered their wickets away. They're one or two sort of uh, poor strokes. Here's a question on Jack Leach, or two questions on Jack Leach. Has he been more successful under Ben Stokes or before Ben Stokes? And has he bowled more... Under Ben Stokes than before Ben Stokes. So, two two questions for you: Has he been more successful under Ben Stokes? Has he bought, bowled more overs per test match under Ben Stokes? Answer the first question. Um, has, has he, he been, been more, more succes- successful? Mm.
0: Y- yes. Has he bowled more overs than ben, uh, under Ben Stokes? Uh, probably yes. What's the answer? Okay.
1: The answer. The answer to those two questions is, is right in one case, uh, wrong in the other. He has not been more successful under ben stokes he was un he was more successful before uh, ben stokes he's taken 44 wickets at 37.04 under stokes he's before that he took 79 wickets at 31.88 in terms of bowling more you, you, you have this feeling that he's bowled a lot more under stokes and stokes has, has trusted him more well an actual fact before ben stokes he bowled 40 overs per test match. Under Ben Stokes, he's bowled 41.25 per test match. So he's bowled a little bit more under Ben Stokes, but very, very, you know, very, very marginal. And he actually had a little bit more success, strike rate a bit better uh, before Stokes. Probably the difference is that Stokes brings him in earlier and he keeps the field up, doesn't he? That's the other thing. He keep he keeps the field up.
0: He does. And I really like the way Stokes captains with, with, with Jack Leach. I mean, he earned Stokes earned the first wicket that Leach took today, the LBW to Paul Sterling. By Sterling, an aggressive player, good player, looking to be positive. Obviously, likes batting at Lords, having experienced it a lot with Middlesex, and he kept the the deep square leg in the ring and the mid wicket in the ring, and he tempted Sterling to go for the sweep, to, the, to go for the sort of slog sweep. He he hit one, I think. But then he missed one and got LBW. And, and other batters who came in after that, Stokes was keen to... He he moved himself into a sort of mid-off position, almost in a catching position at short of short extra cover with no-one behind him to tempt the likes of Camper to go, go over the top. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the challenge wasn't taken up, actually. But I, I really like the way he utilises Leach and encourages him to tease the batsman and tempt them into aggression, which may or may not bring about their downfall. But it's it, it, it's just much more enterprising cricket than Leach was in, induced to to produce under root.
1: Yeah well I, I my mind goes back to Melbourne where Jack Leach bowled after lunch on one of the days when England were sort of in the game and the field was back and it was easy for Australia just to knock the ball around and it you know there was no pressure whatsoever and it was so easy uh, for the Australians of course they went on to win that match and they went on uh, to win the ashes Jack Leach's three wickets today all came from attacking shots two sweeps and then that Dismissal of Camper, which I was talking about earlier, where he came down the pitch and tried to hoik him over long on and, and missed it uh, and was bold when he didn't have you know that much confidence in those who were at the other end. So there we go, yours. The first day of the Test match summer is over. Decent weather in the end. A little bit chilly at the start. Decent weather and a good crowd in. Around about 25,000 tickets sold for the first uh, three days of the Test match. Not sure you're going to need a ticket for Sunday. Uh, we'll see how things... Play out. Any Anything more to say about your socialising today? Well, I saw you with Mike, Mike Gatting and John Embry, yeah. two of your old teammates. Yeah,
0: they, they were just telling me that I looked slovenly, uh, as usual. <laughs> and I sort of really, I mean, Embry always looks immaculate. Gat, Mike Gatting, you know, he used to ban jeans in the dressing room because, you know, he didn't like jeans. But it, we used to think it was probably because he couldn't get any to fit him. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of piss taking always goes on with old colleagues in, in dressing rooms oh, i was it was nice to see them both actually uh, we had quite a long chat with manoj badali who of course has made uh, a few headlines as the rajasthan royals owner talking about the future of test cricket but it was good to see him there today hosting in his box uh, first day of test cricket he'll be here uh, at laws all, all summer you know hosting a, a few people uh, trying to encourage them to watch Test cricket. and he was saying actually interestingly you know, we were discussing the future of Test Cricket and how, the, uh, the, how we can induce the IPL owners to, yeah. to be more sympathetic and perhaps, uh, you know, try and f- help the, 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 the world game find suitable windows for the different formats of the game. And of course, he said, well, one of the things is, you know, I, he said, I love Test Cricket and I want to support it as much as I can. But some of the owners of, of the IPL teams are new and have less interest in that, and they're not a collaborative force. Actually, the IPL owners—it's time they were, I think, because it would help the world game. And he knows that, and so I can see something happening actually in the next couple of months. Because we we had in in the box there, we had Mike Gatting, who is chairman of the World MCC World Cricket Committee, which is a very influential body with very you know key important people on it, like. Sarav Ganguly, like Kumar Sangakkara, who's going to take over as the new chairman of MCC World Cricket Committee. And also Raul Dravid. Is, is it someone else who who can be an influence on that as well? Uh, we said we had him, we had Manoj Badali and we also had Mark Nicholas, who is going to be the new president of the MCC to take over from Stephen Fry in October. And between them, I think they, they have a, a plan to really help the, the the world game get to grips with the appalling scheduling situation.
1: Hmm. Okay, well, well, we'll see what happens, and we'll see what happens tomorrow at Lords. But at the moment, you'd say this—the the game is moving towards a rather sort of inevitable, a uh, predictable, but, but potentially very entertaining uh, conclusion, with the way England have batted, scoring it at seven runs per over, without even without even basballing it really on the, the, the first day of this test match. So England in control, uh, 20 runs behind. We'll be back uh, tomorrow, around about this time, to review the second day's play. Sleep well, Yoz, after your day of socialising.
0: Thanks, Simon, and thanks for listening, everyone. And by the way, for your listening pleasure, I hope you've checked out our sister podcast, Storylines, with Melissa Storey and Nikki Chowdhury. A particularly interesting third episode came out last night with an interview with the former professional player Thea Brooks, talking about in very candid terms her struggles after leaving the professional game and uh, losing her contract a fascinating study of the sorts of things that women cricketers are having to face now that they're in a fully professional era so check out that storylines podcast on this feed and speak to you tomorrow